Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Welcome back. In addition to what we're feeling this week, today we are talking about director James Gray's new space film starring Brad Pitt, Ad Astra. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question, what is your favorite Brad Pitt performance? I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And my favorite Brad Pitt performance, amongst a many great films, <laughs> I would have to say is Moneyball. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I love... I love everything he's doing in that movie, and I love that movie. I, I mean, I, I think that is probably like dramatically his biggest, or not, not, not biggest, but like his absolute best performance. I think for me, um, my favorite Brad Pitt performance is probably Ocean. Oh, I have to introduce myself. I'm looking. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's great. Ex- Brad Pitt got you too excited. <laughs> I know. I know. I get way too hyped on Brad Pitt. <laughs> I'm Lucas Schreider, designer in Chicago. Um, my favorite Brad Pitt performance is got to be Ocean's Twelve. Um, I think like in Ocean's Eleven, Brad Pitt just exudes cool and that's like what he's there for. Like it's not like this big performance, but it is just his movie star quality there. I think in Ocean's Twelve, he really gets to open up and do some, I think some weird things um, and make some choices, which I absolutely love. I think yeah. the movie is so much fun and he does a great job in it. But, that was a close second for me. Um, oh, good. Yeah. I love Brad Pitt's storyline in Ocean's Twelve. Mm-hmm. That is, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so it's good. fantastic. Well, every week we like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered throughout the week, whether that be a movie, TV show, you know, album, book, whatever. Um, so, Sandra, talk about what you're feeling this week. So, I'm feeling a new album from I believe her name is I don't know how to say her first name. Her name is either Britain or Britain, but let's say it's Britain Ashford. Um, she put out an album called Drama Club, which is an album of covers of songs from musicals. Um, But all of her covers have this really sexy, moody um, vibe to them. They sound like songs you'd like hear in the background in a smoky nightclub, you know, but there are these songs from musicals that she's completely reinterpreting. Um, I think the whole album is fantastic, but some of my favorites are I Dreamed a Dream from Les Mis, um, No One is Alone from uh, uh, Into the Woods, and then my ultimate favorite that is just like the number one song on my fall playlist is You're the One That I Want from Greece, a song that I adore, a musical that I adore, and this cover of it is amazing. I would love for us to take a listen. Thank you. 
I absolutely love this idea. I, I, there have been a couple artists that have done like acoustic covers or whatever of some like Broadway hits and stuff like that on their albums. And it is one of my favorite things to just see a re- reinterpretation of, um, of music like this. I think it's so much fun. I'm excited to listen to this whole album. It's, you said the whole album is this? Yeah. Yeah, That's... and there's plenty, there's songs that, like, I'm familiar with, songs that I'm less familiar with. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know every musical, but right. they're all great to listen to. Some other ones that she has, she has It's Quiet Uptown from Hamilton, Tomorrow from Annie, I Could Have Danced All Night, uh, nice. Send in the Clowns, Defying Gravity, and they're all in the same musical style. So it, it does yeah. feel like a cohesive, like, incredibly well-produced album. She has this beautiful voice. Um, it's just, you know, it's songs that, you know, in a completely different setting. That is awesome. I'm very excited to listen to this. <laughs> what are you feeling this week, Lucas? Okay. This week I am feeling, uh, well, I'm feeling two books by the same author. Really, I'm feeling the author, but I want to talk about these two books as a whole. Um, I just finished both of them, and they are really, really interesting. Um, the books are The Song of Achilles, um, and the second one is Circe. Um, this is by uh, author Madeline Miller. She is an ancient Greek professor who takes about 10 years to write each of these books, uh, but they are absolutely phenomenal. Both of these books are based on minor characters from um, Homer's The Iliad that she just does a, a really deep dive in and creates extremely modern feeling narratives while staying anchored in that in that time period. Um, Song of Achilles is uh, a love story between Patroclus and Achilles um, and just kind of their growing up together um, as friends and kind of what that turns into in, in, on the, you know, in the background of the Trojan War. And so it's kind of a story you've heard before told in a very different way. Um, and then Circe is the story of the god Circe, who was exiled by her father to live on an island. And in the Iliad, she has a, like a quick run-in with Odysseus. Um, but this book really dives into her early life, and you get to see like her side of that story. And they're both really beautifully written, and I would recommend them to anyone, even if you have no knowledge of or aren't even a fan of Greek mythology. I think I think they're just they stand on their own really, really well. And if you are interested, there's like lots of fun Easter eggs and stuff like that from from uh, the Iliad. But um, on their own, they are really great, great books. And so, just to be clear, they're not sequels to each other, right? They're separate stories they are, but they're both cor- about like the similar subject matter correct they're yeah they're they're completely separate i mean technically circe is a sequel because odysseus is in both of the books sure. but he is you know a small character in both of them and so it doesn't really matter all that much right. yeah you don't have to read them in any order it's just they're just two books about <laughs> about greek mythology yeah. and she just has as a greek professor she just has such a great knowledge of it and it's apparently something that she's just been um, working on for a long time and there's like tons of research done but it is truly built on on character as opposed to just being um, kind of playing with the time I can't wait to read this I've had Cersei on my bookshelf since it came out you really? know I, yeah I, I yeah. ordered a, I got a copy because um, there was like some crazy sale on it on Amazon that I was just kind of like oh, I'll get this book you nice. know yeah and so I picked it up and but then I've never read it, and it's just one of those books that I've always heard is good, but I've never taken the time to read because I've have so many other things that I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that you've reminded me about it, and that you'll and that how good of a book it is, I will jump in pretty soon. Good. Are you into Greek mythology at all? Like, do you very do you know much. these stories? Here, okay. I would say I'm very much into it, but I'm not as knowledgeable as I wish I was. Okay. Um, yeah. 
I, I love the idea of it, I should say. And the stories that I am familiar with, I'm very fond of. And um, my favorite character is my very character from Greek mythology is Medusa. I have a Medusa t-shirt. I keep hoping um, she writes a book about Medusa. Medu- I, think I mean, Medusa, Medusa is just like top of the charts. Oh, so yeah. That oh, yeah. Great figure. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I need I need to get into this soon. I, d- I definitely would. I it. even though you have Cersei, and I know I said they're not sequels. I would start with Song of Achilles. Okay, good to just, know. Just just because it's, I think it's I think it has a more interesting um, start and style, and it gets you gets you like a really good intro for her style of writing. Got it. Um, but I also like Cersei. Okay. Cersei is also really good. Great. All right. Well, let's move on to a, a section we call In and Out, where we talk about In or Out. Um, yeah, you're you are correct. Not in and out. I just had in and out recently. Um, <laughs> Jeez. We don't go in and out. Of we, <laughs> absolutely not. We are talking about in or out. <laughs> the section where we talk about um, some brand new trailers that come out and whether we are in or out on them. What's it gonna be? Consider carefully. Are you Okay, so kicking off, this is a, a movie that we've seen bits and pieces of. We've seen some set photos, we've seen uh, like some quick teaser trailer stuff, but this is our first full trailer of Birds of Prey. Um, the Harley Quinn, what is it? The Emancipation of Harley Quinn? The, fantabul- the Emancipation of the Fantabulous Harley Quinn? Something like or that. So- Fantabulous is somewhere in there. Yeah, it's got some kind of long subtitle, but it, this is Birds of Prey starring Margot Robbie. Um, Ewan McGregor. Some other people. Christmasina, um, Journey. Christmasina's in it? Yes. I did not know that. Wow. Christmasina okay, so- is bleached blonde, buzzed head, you know, villain assistant in this movie. Wow. Maybe that's how I missed him. Yeah. I'm very interested in that now. Um, <laughs> yes. So are you in or out on Birds of Prey? I'm unbelievably in on Birds of Prey. Um, I think the moment I saw the set photos with the costumes for this movie, I was in. Like, I was, it was one of those things where it was like, even if this movie is bad, these costumes are so up my alley that I have to see them in motion. Um, but then I really liked this trailer. I really love the vibe that they're setting for this film. I love um, the graphic design for their marketing. I know that's not really an indication of, like, how what the film is like but it's very cool and i'm a fan i just want to say that um yeah i think birds of prey looks rad i think margo so i saw suicide squad you did not correct lucas <laughs> no no so suicide squad is like trash it's a mess but margot robbie is amazing in it like every scene with her i adored I sometimes will watch like a YouTube compilation of just her scenes from Suicide Squad because they are she is that magnetic. And so taking her out of that movie and giving me a whole movie of her is exactly what I want on the menu. Um, So I'm super, super excited for this. Plus, I think the whole cast looks really exciting. And yeah, even if this movie isn't amazing, if it's just fine or good, like that's all I need yeah. from it. I 100% agree. The vibe looks really, really, really fun. <laughs> um, yeah, the costume, production design, um, all the, um, you know, yeah, the, like you said, the graphic design for the, you know, the posters and the video. Like, I just think everything about this looks good except for 
the the subject matter itself is something that I'm wholly uninterested in. So I'm kind of on this middle line. Like I don't care about this movie at all, but it just looks kind of fun. What do you um, mean by subject matter? I mean just about about Harley Quinn. I mean it, it, the I think I think for me the whole vibe of the DC movies in general has just hasn't really set well with me. And I know this doesn't have Jared Leto as the Joker in it um, or anything like that, but just, I'm just really down on all of these movies. Um, and I'm not really like, there hasn't been any kind of story element that makes me think, Oh, this could actually be something I'm interested in. Um, so I think overall I'm very neutral on it. Um, and so like as time has gone on with the more stuff that's come out about this movie, the more interested I've been. So I feel like by the time it comes out, I'll be in on it. But right now I'm kind of out. Yeah. I, I think that this 2020 is going to be a great year for like weird, interesting superhero movies. Um, and a lot of our major superhero movies are directed by women, including this one. And I'm just really looking forward to what a year of female directed superhero movies looks like. Yeah, it's going to be big. Um, the next one is a Netflix movie called Six Underground starring Ryan Reynolds um, and is directed by Michael Bay. Has, this has a great trailer. I really, really liked the trailer for this movie. I think this movie is going to be complete and utter trash, yeah. but I did have a lot of fun watching the trailer. I think this might be something that I watch in like a year when I'm just scrolling through Netflix and realize that it's that it's here and want to want to watch it. But I would say overall, I'm probably out on this. This trailer trailer is wild um <laughs> you're right it doesn't look like it makes much sense um as a movie and i have you know i can take ryan reynolds in limited quantities um or at least this version of ryan reynolds you know what i mean like mm -hmm. there are versions of ryan reynolds i really like but this like deadpool-esque ryan like reynolds, hyper quippy hi yes hyper quippy yeah. is a great word for it um is you know it wears on me, but there's so many set pieces in this trailer that have me very intrigued. And mm -hmm. part of, I think the appeal of this movie for me is that it's on Netflix and I follow a bunch of film and media people on Twitter. So I know that the weekend this comes out, there's going to be a lot of jokes and references to this movie on Twitter. You know what I mean? And so part yeah. of the appeal is, well, if it's on Netflix, I could probably find an easy time to watch it and join in on the buzz and the conversation. And that's like my main goal in seeing this movie is like being a part of the convo and less about seeing a movie that's really well-written or entertaining. Right. Right. I think that's a good point of just, this is a movie to like, that is fun to watch and talk about with other people. Yeah. Um, even if you're you're not actually physically doing it in your house, just kind of that conversation is what is more fun about the movie than the actual movie itself. So I, you're right. I could probably jump in on that on that part of it. But the story of like, you know, six, uh, what is it, secret covert ops agents or whatever that are very like. I don't know, like having fun, spy, like quippy, blowing stuff up, like that kind of thing is just kind of like, yeah, whatever. This is and directed by Michael Bay. I do not love Michael Bay. So here's the thing. I think if it wasn't directed by Michael Bay, if it was yeah. like, I think the Michael Bay of it all means like the action's going to be amazing and fun to watch, right? Yes. Yes. But if it was directed or written by someone that I appreciated and I also saw this trailer, I would mm -hmm. think, like, this is going to be the most amazing movie. You know what I mean? It's, like, the set pieces <laughs> yeah. that we, like, let blow our mind. But also there's going to be, like, some great compelling spy story. Right. Um, or heist story or, like, Robin Hood-esque story. You know, like, these are all mm -hmm. the themes that are in this trailer. But I have no faith 
that like the story is actually going to be compelling, you know? Yes. Um, yes. So that's a bummer. But uh, again, this, this movie also has like a cast of people that are like compelling and fun to watch. Um, Dave Franco is in this and I love Dave Franco. Um, what's it's her name? Melanie Laurent. Is that her name? Yeah. That's Melanie. It? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. She's in this. Can't wait to see it. You know? Um, mm-hmm. So, this is one of those things that's like, if it wasn't on Netflix, I'd be suspicious. But because it's on Netflix, it's like, oh, I don't have as high of expectations. Just like a fun, fun night in. Yeah. All right. And then last but not least on this list, we have the Safty the Safety Brothers new movie, um, Uncut Gems. This stars Adam Sandler um, and just a, a very weird cast. Lakeith Stanfield, Adina Menzel, Kevin Garnett, um, The Weeknd. Um, it is... I... I really liked um, the Safety Brothers' last movie, um, Good Times, starring Robert Patterson. And Patterson? Pattinson. Pattinson. Patters. Pattinson. What is Pattinson. Pattinson. Yeah. Robert Pattinson. Um, and I think this is, I mean, everybody's been talking about it as like a very interesting um, choice for Adam Sandler and like, you know, awards talk for him, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if this is a movie that will be like really, really great, but I'm very interested in seeing it and I cannot wait for it. I'm very in on it. This trailer is so frustrating for me because (laughs) I think this trailer is amazing. I want to live in this trailer. I want to watch it a million times. And like if the movie was just this trailer, I'd be like, you know, best of the year. So yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> I love everything Adam Sandler is doing in this. I think it makes me laugh. It makes me excited. I think there are certain visuals that like really get me going, but I did see good time and it was a movie that I don't think was bad, but just was very much not for me. Mm-hmm. And this, my gut is telling me that this movie uncut gems is very similar in that sense that I think this, they seem to really love just living in tension. Their movies are mm-hmm. like about building tension to breaking points, you know? Yep. Um, yep. And even though the release of tension that you would get in a normal movie where it's like kind of a relief, I think doesn't even feel like a relief in their films, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, just constantly a pot that's right about to boil just yes. the whole way through. Yes. And, and that, that that's wearing after a while. <laughs> it is, and that's just not the type of movies that I like to spend my time watching. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there is definitely a place for that in cinema and people that do get a lot out of that. Personally, I do not enjoy paying money to be stressed out like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, that's the exact same thing my wife said. It was just like, this is, this is looks like a great movie that I will never watch. Right. Um, and it's just, yeah, that, that amount of tension and, and stress that you, that you get sitting for 90 minutes or whatever with this movie is, is just not worth it. Right. Um, but I, I think I'm going to love it. I think it's, I think I'm definitely in on this. Movie. I can't wait for you to see this movie and for you to tell <laughs> me what the stress level is. In yes. It yes. Versus yes. like entertainment level, you know, because right. this movie does seem more funny than mm-hmm. good time you know yes good definitely. time it doesn't seem it wasn't really it didn't have any humor about it no um it was just like all time scared and stressed um but this movie seems to have some personality some pizzazz in addition to the tension so it might get me there if it's if you know they decided to take a little detour mm-hmm. we'll see uncut gems coming soon all right 
Are you ready to talk about Ad Astra? I am. Let's do it. Okay, so Ad Astra, starring Brad Pitt. This is the story of Brad Pitt as an astronaut. He's undertaking a mission across the solar system to uncover the truth about his missing father. Um, And I would say it's good. I liked it. Um, I think one of the things about James Gray movies is that they are just so slow, um, and not in a bad way, but just very, like, uh, methodical. He's very much like interested in kind of the process that these um, usually, you know, great men take to um, accomplish uh, amazing feats. And just in a slow, methodical way, kind of taking you through um, their the, their view of the world. And I think this falls right in line there. Um, I think there are a lot of really beautiful scenes and um, just displays that I've never seen before, which I really, really love. I think overall I didn't connect with Brad Pitt's character as much as I think was intended. Um, but overall, I, I did really like this movie. Sandra, how do you feel about it? I liked this movie too, although it's not going to go on any top ten lists for me. No. But yeah. it was kind of the movie where it's like, like you mentioned, it's very slow in a way that is unexpected because even though... I don't think the trailers make this movie out to be like some sort of, you know, action adventure. Yeah. It is a movie about a man traveling through a solar system and like Mm -hmm. with on a journey. So with that in mind, it's it's much slower than you would expect a movie of that subject matter to be. Mm -hmm. And I really was like, this is the perfect kind of movie to watch by yourself on a weeknight. You know, I would never recommend someone watch this movie with other people. (laughs) Like, like it's the kind of movie you want to cocoon in with. You just want to, you want to cuddle up to it and just like quietly, quietly watch it and think about it and take it in. Um, which I like, there's a time and a place for that, you know? And I really loved Brad Pitt in this. Um, you're right. I don't feel like we have the same connection to him as a character as we do in a lot of other movies, but I think that was kind of intentional, and it's kind of what I like about his character in this. I have issues with some places the story goes, but for the most part, I thought that this movie showed me ideas and visuals that I had never seen before. And space movies are not like my ultimate jam. You know, the, I, I like right. a, a good one, but it's not something that I get excited about specifically. And this movie had me more excited about a sp- space is a genre than I've ever been. Before. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I think some of the movies that are like big fun space movies, like the Martian or uh, I wouldn't actually wouldn't call interstellar a big fun space m- movie, but I would call it like a big space movie. Sure. <laughs> um, but like those kinds of movies, I think I've overall just been less interested in because of the space element. And I think right. James Gray uses this, well, he uses space interesting more interestingly here um as opposed to just like a background it is truly like part of this movie in very interesting ways yeah i mean it is very comparable to first man i think um in in Mm -hmm. tone like they're very different stories but 
the tones of these films feel very similar to me. Um, and yeah, I really liked it. I, there's, I'm trying to think of what I can say that's not spoilery because so much of my critique of it has to deal with like where the story goes. Um, I can, I I don't think that this is a spoiler to say that there's a lot of voiceover in this film. Mm -hmm. Um, and that really worked for me. I loved that element of this movie. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like usually whenever I hear voiceover, it feels like a, feels like some glue that they're using to kind of right. hold parts of the movie together. Right. And here it feels really intentional and very, um, uh, very, very natural, I think, I think in this setting to have the voiceover. Yeah. Well, we're dealing with like a main character that is very obviously closed off emotionally and psychologically in some ways you know and the whole point of the voiceover is to like give us some peek at like what that emotional inner life actually is um and even then it's not as revealing as we would expect a person to be you know Mm -hmm. it's (laughs) even the inner voiceover is still like very limited but uh i appreciate i appreciate that like showing the character's emotional journey that way. Definitely. Um, I think the only other thing I have to say is just that there are um, really, really beautiful action scenes in this movie yeah. that is very slow. Um, there's, I think there's a lot of space between the action beats, um, but those action beats are some of the most interesting ones. Um, we can talk about them in spoiler, but there's, there's, I think three or four that I'm thinking of that are just like very, very unique (laughs) to anything I've ever seen. And to have that many in, you know, one movie Um, and just the way that they're shot, it feels very like Mission Impossible Fallout, like very cinematic and real. Um, And especially for a a space movie, I think that's just it's something that I haven't seen before. Yeah, it was like a really great blend of (laughs) Terrence Malick and like (laughs) Mission Impossible and like some tense horror like film you know yes yes and any and, and, and it you know vacillated between those between each scene and and that's that's a fun combo mm-hmm. um i i'm now i'm now think remembering one of my biggest critiques with the film that i can say before we get to spoilers is that Liv tyler is in this film oh um, no <laughs> is, no she's not is it evangeline lily no. no, 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 no. It's it is Liv Tyler. Okay. It's just I. Liv Tyler is in this film, and the use of her character is beyond frustrating. And the fact that they cast her in this movie to do very little is incredibly frustrating. Um, I see. Did did you know she was in it going into it, and did you like think she was going to have a bigger part? Yeah. <laughs> So for me, I did not know she was in it going into it. Do you want and me to take? Do we want to take this out of spoilers? Is that your frustration? Or take this? No, 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 okay. no, no. We don't want to take it out of spoilers. So I just, just not knowing. I like it's safe to say she has a small part in this movie. Um, and I just, I just think not knowing that going in, it, like if you think of this movie as if this is Brad Pitt and Liv Tyler's movie, um, then you're going to be disappointed. But I 
really didn't even think about the fact that she was in this movie. And so the, the fact that she was in it at all for however small amount, I was like, oh, this is great. Liv Tyler's here. Um, but then, yeah, hearing people be like, she didn't have enough enough time. I was like, well, I mean, I, I, I totally get the understanding of like, if you're going to cast someone that big, give them some actual screen time um, or just cast, you know, a nobody and, and have her her be at it. But I think she I think she brings a presence to this movie that a no name actor wouldn't have. Um, and so I think her limited amount of time actually works in this movie for me. Okay, so when I said I expected her to be bigger, don't get me wrong. I didn't expect a great role. Like, I said, <laughs> you know, like, I, I understood what I was getting into. A story about Brad Pitt is, like, mm-hmm. our hero that goes into space. I didn't expect her to, like, come along for the ride and, like, yeah. it be 50% her film. I knew she was playing the wife character, and I know that that's a limited role. But even knowing that, this role is incredibly limited. Like, it's incredibly limited. And I think intentionally, and we can talk more about this in spoilers. But. I, don't, I think I'm not from a story perspective. It doesn't bother me that much. But you're right. I think casting someone like Liv Tyler and then using her in the marketing makes it seem like this role is supposed to be bigger than it actually is. And... That's frustrating. And it's frustrating to watch big name, talented actresses get shuffled off to the side in this way. Yeah. Yeah. It just is. That makes sense. And um and also to be quite honest, I think that this story if 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 I was if I had complete input, if I was a producer on this film, I would say we we don't need a wife character or we need to completely rework like what something else that the wife character is fulfilling for this role, you know, because it's cliched. I think it's, I think it's boring and it's cliched to have a woman longingly staring in the distance. (laughs) It just is like your, your female characters deserve more. And, um, and yeah. And your male characters deserve to be not as less cliched. So that it's it's a you know it's a rock in my shoe the whole time watching this movie that is i think distracts from how beautiful and how good the rest of the film is yeah i think yeah. that makes sense so well let's talk more about it in spoilers okay before we get started does anyone want to get out are you paying attention it's your last chance to walk away let me tell you what's gonna happen no crack and gas spoilers remember you wanted this yeah, I think for me, all of that, all of like what they do with her character really just shows how um, emotionally cut off he is. And that that's the point of it is just to be there to show that, you know, he is stunted. He is um, not connected in any way. And even the way they shoot her in the first half of the movie of just blurry in the background kind of a thing, like you don't actually even see her <laughs> yeah. until later. Um, and I, I, I like that. And I think that could have been you know, done by literally any actress, um, of just kind of having them there. And I, I don't think you need a lot of the, you know, videos he watches of her, you know, yeah, talking like all of that in the middle is also kind of weird, but then, um, to have her come back at the end, um, just to, just to show that like he is open to, you know, trying to connect to people and trying to open that up. I think that is what shows 
uh, I guess, his character journey in this movie. I agree that it sh- probably shouldn't have been Liv Tyler and that probably this is a kind of a cliche way of doing it. But I think overall for me, it did work. Here's the thing. I just think that there are, I think you could have been more creative and showing that exact same journey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't have yeah. to make it a, a, a lonely wife. Because I just think that's so played out. It could have been any person that he had a relationship with. It could have been a friend, a sibling, a teacher. Uh, you know, like, it could have been multiple characters that he was disconnected from. You know, like, mm-hmm. it didn't... It The lonely wife to the great white man is so boring. And It's very 1990s. Yes. <laughs> and so, just like... N- Seeing the beginnings of that and knowing how exactly that plays out is incredibly frustrating to watch. Yeah, um, I think that makes sense. I just think, you know, like, why why fall into that when you could do, try something new? Mm-hmm. Or it is, a, it is a James Gray staple overall. That is yeah. something that he is very into is the, the wife left at home while the men go on great adventures. Yeah. Um, I mean, so. and if you're going to do the wife left at home while a man goes on a great adventure – do it differently. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. give us something. Yeah. Do the do that in a new way, or mm-hmm. give us some more about information about her character at the very least. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So that that was frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. but I, amongst that, I really liked a lot of the rest of the film. Um, yeah. Can we talk first with? I think probably my favorite part of the film is the very first sequence where he falls off the space station. That- that is the part that feels very Mission Impossible to me. Just yeah. the way it's shot feels um, very beautiful <laughs> and very real, um, even though it's set on this um, very unrealistic uh, scenario. It just felt really intense and really good. Yeah. I mean, because as someone who has never been to space, uh, <laughs> viewing that, you kind of think, like, is it even possible to stay alive from a fall from space. Like, is that yeah. scientifically possible? And well, I don't think he's technically in space at that point. I think he's like upper atmosphere because it is a, okay. a, a, like a space antenna thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's wearing a space suit. He's not on the planet. Like he I, is, he is, but he's still within the gravitational pull of the earth. Okay. So, so, um, either way, it was like yeah. very impressively filmed and handled in a way that like, I fully believe everything that's happening. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. There, there are stunts where you're like, okay, well I'm going to, you know, set aside my disbelief to just enjoy this movie. And that is this movie. I did not have to do that for any of like the science stuff in it. Yeah. I think that, that sequence um, is really good and just really kind of sets up his, I guess, calm demeanor under pressure (laughs) the whole way through. Um, I think a little of that starts to grate on me as it goes on of just like, yeah, we get it. He's cool and calm under pressure. He lands the spaceship when the captain couldn't. Um, He, you know, he ends up killing the ape when, when, when the captain couldn't like just every little, you know, piece of this is just like, you know, he's got it. He's, he's calm. He's, he's, um, he's very uh, capable. Um, but I, but then you get to the point where he does start to to crack a little bit, and you do, and you do start to see um, where he is incapable of doing a lot of things. And I wish I wish they'd started a little of that earlier, mm-hmm. because in the first half of the movie, I am just like, yes, yes, this is we get this, <laughs> we've seen this before. Right. Um, I want to say that my favorite thing about this movie is this 
vision of the future. You know what I mean? Yes. Seeing the idea of like what the future could look like for humanity, the, the air travel to the moon, the, the commercial travel to the moon, I should say. Yeah. Because this is this is probably set like 20, 30 years out is kind of like the view that we're getting is like right. everything is pretty much still the same except that we've been able to go, go to the moon and Mars. And stuff. Yeah. We have nicer screens to like watch yeah. videos on. We, you know, we and, and we can fly to the moon easily. But yeah, I think my favorite little detail. I mean, there's so many great little details in the world building here. But my favorite one is when he's on the ship to the moon and he asks for um, a pillow and a blanket. And she goes, yes. that'll be $125. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, just to yeah. really put in perspective, the type of people that can afford to mm-hmm. hang out and visit the moon. You know? Yeah. And then you get to the moon and it's not cool. It's a strip mall. Like it's basically yeah. like you have an Applebee's there and a Taco Bell. Like it's not right. anything actually cool. It's just we've taken our trash and put it there as well. So it's yeah, <laughs> it does. And it, and it never focuses on any of that. All of that is very much in the background. Um, it's not really commented on, but it is just something that you're like, yes, this is exactly how this would work out. <laughs> Especially seeing like little kids in that mm-hmm. area you know what i mean yeah and it's not tons of little kids it's because again this is still like a high-end thing to yeah. do but it is like uh, if you're rich enough you could take your family to the moon mm-hmm. um so cool um i loved in addition to the the moon trip just kind of that sp- like astronauts is a is a whole huge fleet of government employees now, you know what I mean? Versus like a select few that are like our golden star heroes that go to space, which they are, (laughs) they have been since the sixties and they still kind of are now, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's more astronauts than there are in the sixties, but even still, like if you met an astronaut, you know, at dinner, at a dinner party, you would like be really (laughs) excited. (laughs) <laughs> and in this movie, it seems more like, you know, like being in the Navy or being being a Marine, like mm-hmm. you're an astronaut. Yep. It's just uh, part of part of it. Yeah. Um, I really also loved Ruth Nega in this film. Yes. Another small role. Yeah. But, but I think compelling. And she gets, so compelling. She gets to do a lot with it. I wish she'd been able to do more because as soon as she came on, I was like, oh, I'm very interested in this character. And she didn't have a lot of screen time. And, and when she leaves, you're like, oh, yeah, we're not going to see her again. And I was just like, oh, man, it's <laughs> very sad. Compared to the Liv Tyler character, yes. we get backstory. We get oh, a yeah. sense of like what her job is and her purpose mm-hmm. and her personality. And <laughs> there, yes. we yes. see drive. We see <laughs> like... There's so many things that we get, even from small amounts of screen time. So, like, I think yeah. that's part of it. You know, like, the, my frustration with the Liv Tyler character, it's not just about screen time. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. about... It's actually character. Any, she didn't get anything to do. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, yeah. yeah, the Ruth Nick of it all, the Mars environment was so mm-hmm. eerie and, like... Yep. Yeah, cool. I love that even like being underground, everything is still red. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no reason for it to be red. They're underground. Yeah. But everything is still is. Yeah. The aesthetic of all of this, it felt very uh, like Blade Runner. Yes. Um, which I love the aesthetics of Blade Runner. And, and so like that kind of playing over here with that weird kind of neo-noir 
vibe. I think it, I think it feels very intentional, <laughs> um, but I also th- I also think it's um it's it's it doesn't feel like it's copying it. It feels like it's done in a very unique way too. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about um, his relationship with his dad and okay. kind of how that ends up playing out. That I think for me was the part that didn't really play well here. I think him going to space, finding out his dad's still alive. I think that performance that Brad Pitt does in the um, in the recording studio on Mars um, is just amazing um and but i think that is the only little hint that you get that there is tension there with his dad and that there is um any kind of emotion and then we don't get it drawn out over the rest of his journey there i think um like we know he's emotionally unstable a little bit on that trip um but i think by the time we get to tommy lee jones at the end um it feels very forced to me and it didn't feel like a like a cathartic moment, I guess. I think the last, you know, what third of this movie, whatever it is, where he mm-hmm. once he's alone on the spaceship, yeah, is when I started to become less interested in this movie. Yes. First of all, let me say, I'm never interested in a story where it's like I'm alone for ninety days. Like, <laughs> fucking fuck that. Like, what is this uh, doing to my psyche? Exactly, like all of that. Like, man is, yeah. versus nature. Man versus <laughs> you know like crippling self doubt. Yeah. Um, not interested. So as soon as he said that, he, it was like course for 90 days or whatever they said i was like fuck this bullshit i don't want to watch this part um, so that part was annoying and then when we finally get to to like see his dad um i wasn't mad at that section but it also didn't it wasn't as compelling for me as the rest of the film had been mm-hmm. um the one thing that i do feel is cathartic and that really hit me and I think was just like perfectly well acted and well written is when his dad just like straight out admits, like I didn't care about y'all. I cared about this. Yeah. And he says, I know dad. When he says, I know just that, uh, that moment of fully admitting to yourself and to your father and that deep down, you knew all along that your father didn't care about you. And like, Mm -hmm. and that's like something that no one ever wants to admit. And like admitting, admitting that and coming to terms with that is very powerful. And, um, I really, that moment really, really worked for me. And the rest of that where, you know, he's getting him out of the space station and, um, Mm -hmm. and the rants that Tommy Lee Jones goes on, they're fine, but they're, you know, they, that moment alone could have like satisfied me for that whole scene. Yeah, I think I think it was a lot. I think I was just very unsure of like Tommy Lee Jones's motivations and what he right. was doing in those scenes and like why, <laughs> kind of where he stood. And I, I I I think obviously like it hits the nail a little bit on the head when you know he's telling him to like let go. You have to let go all of this stuff. Sure. Um, but I but I f- I feel like that came before like like you said when he says I know. When he tells his dad he knows that he didn't want him and that he didn't he wasn't interested in having a family. I feel like that is the cathartic moment of actually letting your dad go. Yeah. As opposed to the physical, like, no, I have to save you, I can't right. let go right. moment. So it feels weird to have them after each other in that order. Yeah. So I think I think some of those things I was just like, I, we, like there are places where we haven't gotten to emotionally yet that we should have gotten to now. And then now that we have gotten to him, we're kind of reverting back to other <laughs> instincts earlier in the movie. So things like that, that I was just like, for, or for that whole sequence, I was, and then like letting himself go and like thinking that 
you know, he might just die out there. I was like, you're not in that spot. Like, that's not the spot that you were in. Like, (laughs) why are you doing this now? So like little pieces like that on that. So can I tell you a theory that I had throughout the movie that very much did not pay off? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So when the movie started, I got very excited and and you kind of see where the story is heading. I got very excited because in my head, I had some sort of convinced myself that this movie was going to be like Angelina Jolie's Salt. Did you ever see Salt? Oh, I loved Salt. (laughs) Salt is amazing. (laughs) The whole time I was like, this is Salt. This is Salt. Where like Brad Pitt is like this American hero, like golden boy. You cast Brad Pitt because he's like a golden boy. And his father is like, destroying the universe and everyone's like you gotta go stop your dad and he's like yeah yeah i'm definitely i'm definitely on my way to stop my dad (laughs) (laughs) and he was gonna make it to the space station and then like he and tommy lee jones were and tommy lee jones would be like good job son like you fulfilled my our plan our our grand scheme and they were gonna like destroy the universe together (laughs) i really thought that's what was gonna happen and it was wow. just going to be like this nihilistic, like, wow. And then there, it was going to be like the end of Fight Club. Like, we're just going to watch everything blow up. That is like the opposite of the tone of this movie completely. <laughs> I, like, know, <laughs> I know. But, I, but that would have been a cool movie, right? How far into this movie like, were you thinking that might happen? I mean, like, kind of all the way up until you know Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> I didn't, I, I wasn't. Like, it was like, this could happen. You know what I mean? I'm not saying, like, this is for sure the plot. Right, right. But it's like, (laughs) but what if? Um, I just thought it would have been the best twist, you know? if. I mean, it would have been a shocking twist if that had happened. But it would have been so good because, like, every scene, Brad, everyone keeps dying around Brad Pitt, you know? And Mm -hmm. in the real movie, it's just this thing where it's like, oh, everyone keeps dying around him, even though he's not the one killing them. And it makes him look really bad, you know, that everyone keeps dying around him. (laughs) Um, But in my version of the movie, it would be like, oh, no, that was his plan all along. He, like, kills everyone in his way, but makes it look like accidents. Wow. Wow. This is is a shocking twist. Um... I would be very interested to see what that version of the movie would look like. Um, it would be a hundred percent different from the whole tone of this movie. <laughs> but I mean, again, imagine the tone of this movie with just that, a huge flip. Yeah, with that huge flip. <laughs> and then you would go and rewatch it, and like have and listen to all that voiceover with a completely different like perspective. It probably would have had a higher box office, honestly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> More movies need to be like salt, is what I'm saying. Yes, I need, yes. <laughs> I we need, need more, more massive, crazy twist endings. <laughs> where, what I really love about salt, though, is that it's about... And here's the thing. It could have been... Uh, my version that I pitched to you is more tragic. Like, they blow up the universe yeah. together. But yeah. if it was really more like salt, what it would be is Tommy Lee Jones brainwashed his son to, like, fulfill this mission, Right. And so, like, we're seeing him fulfill the mission all the way up until he gets there. And then he and then we realize, like, he's not going to fulfill the mission. He's going to stop his dad. Like, and then we have this yeah. a similar ending, you know, only yeah. 
only more tense because his dad wants to blow up the world and Brad Pitt isn't going to help him. And um, so that that is really more like Salt because Salt, the whole thing <laughs> of Salt is that she was trained to be a, like a spy saboteur and you think that that's actually what she is. And then it turns out she's a good person all along. Also, like two minutes late, but spoilers for Salt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, you, yeah. No, we're we're like what 10 years out on that movie yeah. i think we're good anybody me, who's going to see that movie has already seen that movie you really want to go rewatch salt so like that i think i will now i think yeah. i'm definitely going to rewatch salt again after rewatch this. salt and think about like but what and Brad Pitt, angelina jolie like the time you know like <laughs> <laughs> this is salt 2 starring brad pitt <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's like a spiritual sequel to salt right 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 um yeah that is a I can't believe you were thinking about that this whole movie. I really was. The whole movie. That I is... just kept waiting for him to be like, to make the heel turn. To like, oh, oh Brad Pitt is in on this with his dad. And then, He's yeah. a space pirate all along. Yeah. This was the game plan, was that they would wow. send for him. Wow. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. I'm telling you, I need to be a producer. I need to yeah, be. My, my, my mind is blown at this point. I, <laughs> I don't know how much, like... <laughs> You've completely changed my mind about this movie. I need to rewatch it now. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have any th- any other uh, mind blowing scenarios no, that you want to you want to throw one, out there? Just one per episode. Okay. Okay. Well, that is that is about all I have for Ad Astra. I will Great. probably re- be rewatching it now, and I will also be rewatching Salt. Great. Tell me what you so. think later. <laughs> I will. All right. Um, I think that wraps it up for us. Sandra, where can we find you everywhere? All of my social media handles are at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And I am everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 